In an empty movie theater, a victim finds their popcorn has been seasoned with butter and poison. As the credits roll, they tear their ticket stub into a snowflake. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No. It's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, episode 17, all the way through 21, The Legend of the Spirited Away Village. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, or to put that in anagrams, I'm your great sated violin, a manhole vixen. I'm sorry, I just have to process that yes. for a second. <laughs> Did you know that my full name with my uh, middle name in there, anagrams to a manhole vixen? I do now. <laughs> It's, uh, I don't know why I've never gone by that. I can't imagine. It's perfect for you. Thank you. So, uh, what happens on this show? I can solve that mystery right off the bat. We watch detective anime. We bring in a mystery guest. We go through the episode. We make jokes along the way. We definitely spoil the ending. So if you want to see the episode first so that we don't spoil it for you, you can do that. You don't even have to watch the episode. Just have fun. Listen along. It's all good. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky. You're also an expert on the live-action Japanese Spider-Man, but we're not talking about that today. I am the Emissary of Hell. <laughs> That's a reference for nobody, Michael. <laughs> That's how I live. We need to be accessible. What have you got for us today? Uh, well, so today I wanted to talk a little bit about Shinto, uh, which many people will call like the regional religion of Japan. It's not really quite a religion. It's, it's more tradition-based. Essentially, they're just very divergent like shrines mm -hmm. and you see a lot of this in anime yeah they venerate uh kami which are like gods or spirits not quite one there's not quite equivalent to either but yeah they have temples they they venerate these kami which are like spirits of the earth or spirits of these concepts yeah i've definitely noticed as i start to watch more anime there's always shrines and shrine maidens yep you can't have a shrine maiden without a shrine uh, that's true. You can't have a shrine without a shrine maiden, but you can't have a shrine maiden without a shrine. Great. That's a great thing. <laughs> I also have to say right off the bat, we had a bit of a fiasco last episode, and so I've decided to make a new rule. Uh-oh. And uh, from here on out, no one is allowed to make any references to Scooby-Doo. Oh, never. We're no, done. no more references to Scooby-Doo. If you do make any references, uh, you will be cut out of the podcast the same way these people in this episode we're going to be watching we're spirited away. And it's a shame because it's the first episode where we had a uh, character, a female character wearing an ascot. I don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> uh, just in order to avoid future disasters on this podcast, uh, I think that's I think it's for the best. Okay, that we follow that rule. All right. So let's let's bring in our our mystery guest. It's great to have him on this episode because it was almost like we were watching a movie because it was five episodes together. It was a big ask. So our guest this episode is a comedian extraordinaire, the host of the long-running KidFlix podcast, producer of Keep You Posted with Hannah Trav, and one time he solved the mystery of how gift cards worked. I've cracked the case. It's Ross Wiseman. Hello. Are we allowed to curse on here? Yes. Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I have no idea what the fuck you guys have been talking about for the past, like, four <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and also, uh, wait, that's... real quick, real quick, Noah. Um, yes. So I, I heard your rule just now about not mentioning Scooby-Doo. Uh, and that's uh -huh. that's bullshit because Kazuma, 
looks and acts exactly like Velma. Okay. <laughs> yes, Kazuma is the Velma. Yes, we, we went into this last week. Okay. We all agreed that Kazuma was Velma, but after that, it just starts to fall apart, and we can't, we can't suffer through that again. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I did think that the old man at the beginning of this five-episode mini-series, essentially, that we all watched, like, I yeah. thought that he was going to be the main villain and, like, the secret leader guy. Yeah, he's just like, I've been here my whole life, and it's chill, and everybody's like, mm. But, but yeah, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Like, as Michael said, you have watched more episodes of the show than anyone so far because the mystery kept going along and going along and going along. Yeah, I will say, like, like, cause, yeah, this was five episodes. Uh, the third episode, uh, I do not remember a single thing that happened. <laughs> but, like, by the end of it, I was like, okay, that was an interesting mystery. And I was like... What were you like? Tell me. I was like, okay, your your podcast is Kid Flicks Podcast. So this is a way to transition into talking about that. Oh. Because these five episodes together almost were like a movie, especially the way the conclusion played out. And this series is a series for children, at least in some form or fashion. That's wild. You cover kids' movies on your podcast. You seem to be the right expert to have on for this episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to... Uh give my expertise i don't i don't believe that this is a that this was a show for children like (laughs) considering that the through line of these five episodes was weaponized smallpox oh it's it's heavy but then there's also there's also then a guy that dresses as a cactus and that's his whole thing so like it's maybe kids uh in japan have uh, a little different taste than uh kids in the u.s well, you're the expert, so if you want to make a uh, official declaration of whether or not this is for children, uh, we have to defer to you. Yeah, I'll 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 say that this is tentatively for kids. Like, um, I'm trying to think back in my my podcast, and the the we've only reviewed one or two. I think we reviewed Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away, the two Miyazaki classics, and like they do have a darker tone to them, and like yeah. they go between different themes. In like a very Pixar-esque way. Now, I don't think Pixar would have like a murder mystery anytime soon, but it's 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 a mature kids show, I would say. Totally. I actually made the mistake of recommending uh, Spirited Away to one of my coworkers uh, to for her children to watch, and she pre-watched it, and she gave me the DVD back, and she was like, "Oh no, my kids can't watch this." So how old were they? I, I guess probably in the six to ten range. You know what? I saw Spirited Away when I was younger because uh, I forget. I think I might have been maybe seven or so when the English dub came out in the U.S. And so, like, my family, we all saw it. And I was definitely confused a little bit by it. But I remember liking it just because even if you don't really understand what's going on, like, it's still very beautiful to watch. Yeah. And Spirited Away is a great reference point for these episodes because they talk about people being, quote, spirited away. Yes. And we're not going to talk about how old you just made me feel with that uh, little story. I loss. saw it on your face. <laughs> Michael fell out of his chair. He took out his cane and hobbled back to the table. Okay. This happens way too much when I'm uh, doing this pod, when I'm doing any podcast slash like when I'm doing uh, comedy, because like I, like I started doing comedy stuff, like basically right after high school uh, in different forms of it. And so like the people that I interact with, they're like, Oh, when I started doing comedy, you were but a glimmer in your dad's eye. So, like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So you've seen Princess Mononoke. You've seen Spirited Away. Have you watched much other anime? 
Um, not really. I think like when I was a kid, um, cause a lot of anime shows would be, uh, rebroadcast on Cartoon Network. Uh, and mm-hmm. I didn't have cable until, uh, middle school or so. So like, I kind of just stuck to like PBS and like, uh, Disney Channel Saturday morning cartoons that also re-aired yeah. on ABC. So like, it kind of just like was never on my radar. Not, not too much. And I'll be controversial and say that I'm, I'm cool with dubs. Yeah. I, I think we're, we're, we're not ostracistic, ostracistic. Sure. Of dub watchers. Oh no, I am. Oh, not of watchers, just of dubs. I don't, I don't really watch dubs ever. So he's too good for it himself, but like he'll still have you on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I understand subtitles and like the the merits of them. Like uh, my boyfriend and I uh, saw Parasite, and like you know, there's no dub of that, but also like, uh, I think watching like live action, it really benefits from like hearing the original language and hearing them acting, but. Uh, not to you know diss anime stuff, but like uh, all everybody's like very like overacting because you know it is a cartoon, and so like you have the very exuberant uh, uh, voiceover acting. So I'm also I'm just kind of like I don't know what's happening, and there's so much going on on screen, and uh, reading is difficult for five episodes. By the end of this, there was so much dramatic shouting. I was I was really enjoying it. <laughs> so was this like five episode section of the show? Was this like this gang's first big case? Because at the end they were like, "We did it, and now we can do more." Yeah, exactly. The okay. episode we covered last week was kind of a lead in, and basically they looked at this one college student who had disappeared in Kamakaguchi Village, figured out how he had disappeared by looking at a diorama reproduction of the scene. And they so impressed their leader that he's like, okay, I'm going to send you to this village, even though you're kind of young. Fun. The other thing I want to ask you about is mysteries. Sure. The mysteries genre. That covers so many different media, including podcasts, novels, you name it. Yes. So recently, uh, I, I've been getting more into it. So uh, I recently watched Knives Out for the third time and... I still love it. Uh, my boyfriend and I are currently watching Homecoming on Amazon, which is kind of like a long form mystery thing. And I, I do love kind of what we watch today in terms of just like, you know, one through storyline and like a lot of questions that are being asked, but no answers. Um, it's a very fun, just mental workout. And yeah, uh, when they're done well, they're done great. But there's also plenty of bad ones where it's like, like, I mean, every episode of Law and Order, how, like, I love Law and Order, but you're just like, I know what's happening here. Like, Rob Lowe showed up in an episode. There's no way that he doesn't play a huge part at the end of it. That's just not happening. Yeah, there's a nice trick at the end of this uh, arc, for sure. So I'm guessing that uh, we threw you right into the deep end, and this was your first detective yes. anime. I didn't know that this was like a subcategory. It's a very small subcategory, but like the the show we haven't started watching yet, Detective Conan now has a thousand episodes and is very similar similar to this in the way that they kind of do their murder mysteries and stuff like that. Okay, how many episodes are you gonna have me watch of that? I don't. It's up to you. <laughs> uh, there are twenty two Detective Conan movies which go to theaters every once a year, so you could have a whole like half a year of Detective Conan on Kidflix. Great. So let's. Let's let's do this. Let's let's talk about some anime. Talk about Detective Academy Q episode seventeen through twenty one. Mike, 
remind us what is going on in this anime. Sure. So we've got our little group of junior detectives. They have recently become students at DDS, the Don Detective School. Uh, so now they're going and being thrown headfirst into their first big mission. Boy, is it a big one. Um, Ross, how many times did you watch the opening song? I watched it two times. I didn't read the subtitles, so I have no idea what the song's about, except like that they're all trying to be the best at solving mysteries, I think is the thesis statement of the theme song. Yeah, like it's catch. It's like catchy. It's it's a bop. Super long. Insanely long. You gotta love long anime theme songs. A I minute know 30 do. is standard. It's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, any Anything else you noticed? So full disclosure, when, I, when, I, when the theme song would come on, that would be like, okay, one last check on my phone, maybe go grab a snack from the fridge. So like I oh, listened totally. to it, but I wasn't really looking close. That's fair. And, you know, I've seen it so many times that I've mostly tuned out, but I was trying to listen to it because episode 22 is when we get the new theme song. Whoa. So before we start the episode proper, I want to check in on our main characters, not by comparing them to characters in Scooby-Doo, uh, but Ross, you mentioned Cosma already. He's the computer guy. Did you have any takeaways for the other four main characters? Like what what did you pick up on about their traits or their abilities? Great. So there's a tall, strong guy, Kenta, and he does sit-ups when he's frustrated and he just <laughs> likes to show off that he's strong. Like, a, I don't know. It reminds me of a certain ascot-wearing man, but I won't say his name. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And then there's also the pink hair girl, Megu. She has photographic memory that they just kind of throw in there uh, at some point. Yep. And they're like, where's that tree? And she's like, there's the tree. And then the last one I can think of is the blue hair guy that looks like a member of Team Rocket. Ryu. Yes. And uh, he he's very serious. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's mysterious. He's uh, whoo, whoo. There's steam coming out of Noah's uh, collar right now. Oh boy, be careful. The the person you missed is the main character, Q. Oh, the little guy. The little guy. <laughs> he's he's in many ways unremarkable. Oh, his name is also Q. Well, it's Q like K Y U U, so it's a little bit of wordplay. Ah, oh. maybe. Great. That gets us where we need to be to, to dive right in. Um, the first episode is episode 17. It's called Uncharted Waters That Lead to Death, The Legend of Spirited Away Village. They get there on a bus. They're here to dis- to investigate the disappearances of people. And there's no cell phone signal out here. I love that Like when they go on a, a detective journey with Don, they go on like the world's fanciest yacht. <laughs> but then when they don't have him in tow, they take public transit. They take the bus. It's all good. Um, we learn a little bit right away about the setup of these two villages, which is crucial to the the mystery. So there's actually two villages that are right next to each other, Hyotan Village and Kamakakushi Village. They are both described as solitary islands of flat land because they're like little surrounded by mountains. And the only way in or out is by tunnels. So you take the first tunnel into Hyotan Village, and then there's a second tunnel that gets you to Kamakakushi Village. Yeah, and they're not even surrounded by mountains. They're surrounded by these inexplicable sheer cliffs that cut them off from the rest of the world in a very bizarre way. Very convenient. Well, it's later implied that maybe that was by design. Right. And the other thing that Cosmo learns by Googling, which is his special power, is about the weird religion uh, in the town, which is called Ekishin. They worship Ekigami, who is the god of epidemic diseases. We apologize in advance to all listeners for covering this span of episodes yes. about a god of epidemics 
uh, and a village you can only enter by wearing a mask. Yeah, fun escapism. <laughs> We're not going to be able to avoid uh, being a little topical. This is uh, August 2020, so... We're going on what, like five months of quarantine? Y'all know what happened. So right, so that that occult thing is very popular. The other thing is that there's supposed to be an old Japanese army treasure buried there. So the missing college student was from a treasure hunting club. So there's like the three main mysteries of the village are the religion, the treasure, and the disappearances. Right when we get into the village, there's a gourd thing hanging. I noticed it right away. It's like a big peanut. Right. Well, so it's Hyotan Village. The Hyotan literally means gourd. What? And like the theme of the, it's like their mascot are gourds. So they're all over the place. Well, with Ross on the show, I'm just like, let me make Jewish references. It's kind of like their whole village is a sukkah. Ah, wait. Hanging gourds everywhere. Oh yeah, I guess just in that respect. (laughs) (laughs) What, you haven't been to sukkahs where people have mysteriously been spirited away? Well, no, I mean, we do have, uh, when uh, when we celebrate Sukkot, uh, the uh, Jewish harvest festival, if you will, uh, my family, we do don uh, infectious disease-inspired masks. Yes, the holiday of harvesting, little huts, and epidemiology. Uh, Right, and the masks, let's talk about those now, because when they first walk into the hotel, they see five people wearing these creepy masks that are going to keep reappearing. Hated it. In my my notes, I just wrote, Jesus, mask people, in all caps. (laughs) It turns out they're just other guests at the hotel who were just playing a prank on the people that they had no way to know were about to show up. Well, there's specifically a television crew there to host something or film something called Treasure Adventure. I'd watch this show. I'd watch that too. Like National Treasure, the TV show, essentially. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, so this TV crew is here. I'm going to tell you who the five people on the TV crew are. We'll probably mostly refer to them by their role, by their jobs. Roll call. The reporter, Azagami Ryo. The producer, Iwashimuzi Hiroki. The director, Anzai Kunihiko. The cameraman, Oawada Susumi. The assistant director, Kagami Rei. So they all have different roles. Not much personality. Any, like, notable things about their appearances or to-dos? I noticed that the producer character's voice actor is the voice actor responsible for Professor Agasa in Detective Conan. That's that's crazy, Michael. I was about to say the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's also funny because, like, you're not terrible with, like, American actors. But with no, certain, I am. He's he's pretty terrible with American actors. But then we watch anime, and he's like, "I've heard that voice. It's Goku." And oh. here's five other things she's been in. Um, we also meet a couple other suspects. One a little later on, but I'll mention him now. The innkeeper is Kurozumi Koguro. He's like over all these greedy idiots. Uh, he's he's not an old man Jenkins type because I don't know what old man Jenkins would refer to. Um, okay, okay. He enters the room wielding a farming scythe, very yeah. threateningly. Oh, yeah. And his son is named Rio. We, we see him a little later. There's also two hostesses, uh, the, an older one, Kirihara Masai, Masai, and a younger one, Fuma Mio, who has never left the village and it seems to have some kind of crush on Rio or Q or someone. I don't know. Notable about the sleeping arrangements, Ryu and Kinta are the only ones who seem to have to share a room. Well, no, wasn't Ryu rooming with Q? Ryu and Yu were sleeping together. They were the only ones. Yes. And they have a problem. You're not allowed to go into Kamakakushi Village without wearing a mask, but there's only two masks left. So they're going to have to draw straws or something to decide who gets to go. And only Ryu and Megu gets to go. Cool. Now, everyone, if you can take a moment and draw a fine bath. Because it's hot springs time? Because it's bath time. Yes. 
there it's it's a like very common japanese resort thing it seems for them to be to have baths yeah the hot springs yeah hot springs that was even what they mentioned before is that like they referred to the the large baths at the inn yeah so they're they're in the baths and they're talking someone has discovered a, a note that about the treasure the reporter has a picture of that note and she kind of boasts about it and Later in the evening, she's looking at that picture when someone comes up behind her with a scythe and kills her. I was wondering where she was keeping it because she had just been bathing. Uh-huh. She was in her bathrobe and she reaches in and like, pulls <laughs> it out of her boob pocket. I'm like, you're telling me you don't bring weapons to the bath? Well, no, this is where this is where she, the reporter woman was hiding her the photo. And I'm like, oh, right. Where was that while you were bathing? In her waterproof fanny pack. Yeah, sure. And then the next morning, they realize she never came back from the bath. This is our first murder that they got to deal with. The innkeeper enters with the same scythe that is the murder weapon. Then it was Megu with her photographic memories. Like, wait a minute. Wasn't that side dirty yesterday? Yeah, that was weird. They were like, oh, yeah, that thing that we saw that one place for four seconds. I remember exactly what it looked like and the texture of it. That is Megu's role in the show to do that very often. That's fun. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing that happens is Kinta. They try to get Kinta to be a bloodhound. First, unprompted, he's just like smelling up the side. Yeah. It's like, mm, that smells like blood. I think someone was murdered with this. Right. Then Cosma fills uh, a watering can with Oxidol, which reacts to blood in the ground. So I'm going to clarify here. I was I was curious uh-huh. because Oxidol doesn't sound like anything I ever heard of. Uh-huh. And that is just the Japanese word for some reason for hydrogen peroxide, which is what I thought oh. it was because oh. he got it out of a, a medical kit. He puts it in the watering can. watering can, finds it on the ground. They then find a wheelbarrow tire track. Kinta finds it. They go to fields. There are lots of places it could be buried, but Ryu's like, it's not buried in a field because someone might dig it up, but you wouldn't dig up a graveyard. So that's where they go to look and they find a fresh patch of dirt, dig it up, find the body in a coffin. Yeah, this was disturbing. Like this was the first moment I was just like, oh, wow, this is like, this is a lot. Yeah, it was a pretty disturbing image because there's a little extra horror level for the Japanese audience because the idea of burying bodies is a little weird. Yeah. Because mostly uh, they'll they'll cremate bodies in Japan and then bury the ashes or which, keep the ashes around. Which is why it's like supposed should be really old bodies in the cemetery. Yeah. So they're like, oh, this is weird. This is like a culty thing. And yeah. also like we're stepping on this taboo. And then the the coffin is like like a jar, a wooden jar underground full of bodies. And there she is. It, it was very disturbing looking. Yeah. And at that moment, the the sun appears. Rio, yeah. In the mask mm-hmm. and declares that this is the beginning. The high priest says it's a message from Ekigami, their terrible god of terrible diseases. Yep. And that's the end of episode 17. We're into episode 18 now. The conclusive moment, the corpse that disappears into the sky. Um, the police show up and Russ, isn't it impressive how much trust they have in these children yeah they're just like oh your kids cool sounds good to me right the kids then tell them to dig up all the graves in the cemetery and they agree to it yeah because for a second like you said like the uh just culturally like that's not like a thing that they do really but yeah once these spunky kids tell them to they're like okay let's get on it right now you're from the academy yeah so they recover the photo from the, the hand of the dead woman. It's like the number eight sideways. AKA the infinity symbol. Or could it be a Mobius strip? Or could it be the number eight? Hmm. Who knows? And Cosma thinks it has to do with the army treasure. And that's why someone was killed. Mm-hmm. This is the point where they just, they, someone declares that they're going to split up, which reminded me of a certain someone saying that a gang should split up. You keep bringing it up. 
Yeah, honestly, you're the one that's doing this. <laughs> I'm not bringing it up. I'm very careful mm, to not bring it up. Not careful enough. So based on their straws, Ryu and Megu are going to go to the other village and Kinta Kazuma and Kiwa are going to stay behind, but they're all going to walk through the tunnel just for the experience of getting to walk yeah. through the tunnel together. And to get into specific, like weird technical specifics for a moment, we're essentially led to believe at this point yeah. that uh, Hyota Village and Kamikakshi Village uh-huh. are separated by a 1.5 kilometer long, very narrow tunnel that you can only walk through with a spiral staircase in the dead center. It takes 30 minutes to go from one to the other. How do they get mail? How do they get supplies? You could not order anything off of Amazon. Oh, sure. Amazon has drone delivery now, Michael. Oh, that's true. It just flies right over and drops it right on oh, your doorstep. That would be problematic for later. Let's put a pin in that. So, and while they're in the tunnel, they they meet up with the film crew and the the innkeeper's son, who are also going over to the village that day. The the, the producer of the film is like, well, now that somebody's been murdered, we got to deliver. And he keeps repeating this as more and more people get murdered. Like people being murdered is is that a reason to continue filming something or a reason to stop filming something what do we I think? think continue i mean it's like you haven't seen any true crime documentary that's like the hallmark what were they secretly filming serial the whole mm, time kind of they were like we gotta keep calling this guy and everybody was like mm. um the director believes he is onto something so he runs off by himself and we see him running around later and then he gets murdered and he's a fun guy i like this guy He's got yellow hair. And a good personality. Yeah, he's got a good personality. Maybe. He's brush. Sure. Is that a word? Brush? Brash? He brushes his teeth. Brushes his lovely hair. So Megu and Ryu throughout this episode explore the village. Uh, what what are the different things that they come across and find? They find the they meet the high priest. Mm-hmm. Creepy guy in a mask. They find the other branch of the inn. Uh, and then there's also this temple with a big wall. The high priest is the only one that ever goes in. And they're like, we want to go in. He's like, no. Oh, my gosh. Uh, J- Jewish reference. Ooh. It really did remind me of the old temple in Jerusalem and, and whatnot. It had the Holy of Holies that only the high priest could go into once a year. And if anybody else walked in, they would die. Yeah, probably if the if the mystery gang, uh, if they had brought like a goat, they probably could have gone in there. A goat to sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take, a, take a trip to, um, the word escapes me, uh, the baths. Oh, oh, are you talking about a mikvah? Yeah, they, they needed to take a trip to a mikvah first. Running water ritual bath where you cleanse yourself. Yeah, get with the program. Uh, the other thing about the Holy of Holies, to continue getting off topic, is you're supposed to like tie a string to the foot of the high priest before he goes in, in case he's not worthy, so that you can pull him out. I didn't know that. Because if he's not worthy, he'll just die. And you don't want to just a pile of bodies in the Holy of Holies. Yeah, and you're like, ugh. Squawk, it's a living. They didn't have Amazon drones to send into the Holy of Holies and retrieve these dead bodies. Ugh, this sounds like a really patronizing, uh, like, sermon. Just like, And back then, they didn't have Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> the three wise men, they had to hand-deliver the frankincense, myrrh, and gold. <laughs> yep, tune into my other podcast where I give weird biblical sermons. Okay. Ooh. So that's that's kind of all that Megu and Ryu would really discover in this episode. They find the field where the college student disappeared. They kind of sum that up. It's not super important. The thing to note is he disappeared and was killed in Kamakakushi Village. One fun fact, and I'll, I'll be brief about this, uh, is that the inn that they're staying in, the Ryozanpaku Inn, uh, is actually named after the Japanese pronunciation of Mount Liang in China, uh, which is the stronghold for the 108 Stars of Destiny. In a famous and uh, classic uh-huh. Chinese novel, Water Margin, 
which we would know it from Japanese as Suikoden, uh, which if anyone is a JRPG nerd like me knows the Suikoden games, that's where that comes from. Yeah, see, you've explained that to me twice now, and I, I'm starting, I think, to understand what that connection is about. <laughs> it's a mountain where a bunch of people lived in a novel. Aha, uh-huh. I've read novels. Let's talk about the kind of Cosma Qs and Kinta's discovery throughout this episode uh, and the next. So Cosma is doing computer stuff. He gets some kind of connection and downloads oh, this the sound, document. The sound-based modulation coupler, like, God, the signal he must... It's literally like a thing. You you attach it to a phone handset uh-huh. so that it does dial up using sound modulation, uh-huh. like a modem would do. It's, that, that connection had to have been so shaky and bad. Michael also being our tech, our tech expert. <laughs> and Q and Kinta look around. They notice a weirdly big hospital. They notice that the cliff edges were made steeper, so it's harder to get out. And they find the very elaborate hydroelectric dam. And Cosma finds in the document that it's a document from the Japanese army regarding the village, but it's a cipher. And it's going to take him this episode and the next to decipher it. Yeah, I liked that the episode broke down for like four full minutes so that Kazuma could just explain what ciphers are. <laughs> oh, how to substitute one letter for a number. Yeah, he's like, so this can be this. But if you if all of these letters are this, then actually. And then the guy was like, man, I'm not going to do a push up about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a long-running thing now about, like, Kazuma always sitting at a computer and Kinta wanting to wrestle with him or something. I yeah. don't know. They gon' fuck. That's the first time you said this, that on the podcast, Michael. <laughs> and you say that all the time in our regular life. Well, wow. Uh, well, well, I mean, this is... You You guys have now been podcasting for a couple months, and, like, now you're starting to get the feeling of, like, I don't know if I said something on the podcast yet or if oh, it's yeah. just, like, the... To quote Robin Thicke, uh, blurred lines. Why are we quoting Robin Thicke? I mean, the example that I just gave, I think it was quite relevant. Yeah, that's true. Let's call it podcast creep. To quote Robin Thicke, episode three of The Voice. To quote Robin Thicke, my dad is Alan Thicke. (laughs) (laughs) To quote Robin Thicke, the numbers in the cipher go to one to 48. So they have to find 48 things to substitute it with. I actually thought this was pretty neat. Although I had to Wikipedia it because it's not something I'd ever heard of. You can find the Wikipedia article too for Iroha, I-R-O-H-A. So right now, uh, the Japanese hiragana or the phonetic alphabet uh, is arranged by consonant and vowel sounds. So if you're trying to iterate it based on numbers, it's like ha hi hu he ho ta ti tu te to. Yeah. Like that, like very organized based on sounds. Whereas the way it used to be arranged was based off of this poem. So kind of like the ABCs, there's no logical order to it. It's just the way that they flowed. The way, right. when you would say it so it turns out these numbers actually directly correlate to that it's not it's not a difficult cipher at all right but rather than someone kind of coming up with an alphabet song they, someone had written a poem and that was the order of what were essentially their letters for a while and from the document we learned that the japanese army was testing an enhanced version of smallpox in these villages yep fun stuff how fun is it on a scale of one to ten like negative 30,000. It's not great right now. I would give it on a scale of on that scale. I would give it a COVID-19. <laughs> so some of this they'll discover next episode, but that's all the stuff they get out of cracking this code. Meanwhile, the camcorder of the director is returned. Sans director. He got Blair witched. Yeah, pretty much. I actually made a more contemporary reference because when they put in his tape, it's like he's recording a TikTok. 
the way he's like holding the camera at his face and talking to it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what's good, YouTube? It's me, your boy, dead cameraman. Or no, I'm sorry, dead director. Here I am walking along the path to the shrine. I'm going to turn the camera off. Now I'm going to turn it back on. What's this pile of sticks? Because that always happens when you're recording a vlog. You turn on your camera specifically to look at sticks. <laughs> you know what? I'm uh, glad he's dead. Look at this pile of sticks. Look how smart I am. I'm going to step over it. Oh my God, I'm flying in. Yeah, so he flies into the air. Right. The camera, well, we don't see him. We just see the camera go up into the air and then drop. Right. Uh, and he has vanished. So it's like, oh my gosh, was he carried into the air by a spirit? Well, yeah, they solve it pretty quickly. Uh, as, yeah. as you said before, Ross, uh, Ryu was just like, hey, Megu, you have photographic memory. Let's go find all these things in this video. I do want to say that they wait until the next morning to go out and look for it. And Megu's hair was down for the first time. She always has these two pigtails off to the side. And now she just had like, I never even considered that her hair could be in any other shape. <laughs> Can anybody explain to me how Megu finds the spot using photographic memory? Because uh, she looks at sticks and she's like, I think I remember seeing sticks. And then we are now into episode 19, the revelation of death, you're next. Because the cliffhanger is like, they found the spot where he was murdered. And so the episode starts and Ryu is going to tell us right away how it was done. Yeah, Ryu is firmly setting himself as the trick solver. Yeah. He, he's, he figures out tricks. That's his thing. I mean, it makes sense. He looks the most like Chris Angel out of the whole crew. Yeah, uh, you wonder if instead of introducing him as the mysterious Bishonen, they had introduced him as the mind freak. I mean, mm. and he truly, time and time again, mind freaks everybody. He He really does. Um, so he announces three hints. The first one is he's got the faint sound that was heard when the director was thrown into the air in the video, which is kind of like a mechanical chugging noise. Uh-huh. Uh, the second is something that the flashlight illuminated on the ground just as it hit the ground, which apparently is a farming stake. Uh-huh. Uh, and the third is the location where uh, that Megu found, which was where he was murdered. Right. Which is kind of in an open field, but it's between two telephone poles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, this is another thing that's... I was watching this. I was like, this is so visual. We do a podcast. Uh, you paint us a picture with just your words, Noah. Oh I mean, God. it is basically like the typical cartoon. I caught your foot in a wire and dragged you up into the right. air. There's like a little loop in the ground of a wire using this metal stake thing to kind of keep it there. And when he steps his foot in it, she drives away in a tractor, which pulls it tight. The string is strung between two telephone poles, not directly above him, but as it gets pulled taut, it pulls him into the air. Then you cut the string and the person falls. Yeah. It's like a, yeah, it's like a slingshot type thing. Yeah, it's like a real wily e. Coyote, like, he literally like, oh, this is a trap, teehee, I'm stepping over this. Oh no, the real trap was stepping over the trap, so. The real trap was the friends we made along the way. Mm. It's not something you come up with just off the top of your head. Right, <laughs> right. It, this takes some planning. <laughs> He's like, oh, this is a classic uh, tractor telephone wire catapult scenario. Yeah, of course. That old classic. Uh, someone ordered the starter kit from Acme Products. Yeah, I mean, it's it very came, cartoony. It came with a tractor, a wire, and a little stake. <laughs> <laughs> so the cameraman was like creeping up on them yeah. while they solved the murder. And he immediately like found the dead body in a pile of straw mm -hmm. in a field. And that's where we learned he used to be a believer. He used to live in the village. He left three and a half years ago, we learned later. Mm -hmm. He used to live right in Kamakakushi village. And there's like, there's all these threats that they get. This is what happens to people. You better leave or else. And I want to skip ahead to 
the villagers kind of come in and surround them and take them out into the town square. And it's very much like the weird cultish village. It's your wicker man. It's your... Yeah, they were about to get shoved into a hollowed out bear and set on fire. And all these culty priests are shaking their staves on the ground, which we see these in anime sometimes, uh, shakujo, or like a sounding staff, which is like a typical Shinto priest thing where they smack the stick on the ground and it shakes these rings and it's supposed to like ward off spirits. But here they're just using it as an intimidation tactic. Yeah. And the high priest comes out of the temple to, to like judge them and give them a verdict. And uh, they specifically say what their quote crime was. Jaywalking? Not wearing a mask. Uh, oh my God, you're oh. right. Oh no. So topical, right? So topical. And the verdict is they have to leave. And Ryu is so unimpressed by these guys. He's yeah. like, okay. But the producer is like, I need treasure. Two people have died. The more people that die, the more I want treasure. Well, he's also like, he's like calling it revenge at this point. Like yeah. he's incensed. He's like, you're murdering my crew. I'm going to out- oust you on TV slash also get a treasure. Meanwhile, Ryu like accuses the high priest of being the murderer. But the high priest is like, I was in this building the whole time. Well, specifically, the high priest is making vague hand motions. Yeah. And Ryo is just translating his vague hand motion. High Priest does not speak, so it could be anyone. Ooh. Except the people that are present in this scene with <laughs> them. Um, Ryu and Megu stay behind, but the, the camera people go back to the other village. Mm-hmm. And kind of report to our other characters what has happened. We're kind of anticipating another murder because the High Priest has threatened to make someone else disappear. Which is suspicious. It's very suspicious. Meanwhile, Ryu and Megu stay behind and the high priest is like, you can stay here and watch the tunnel and you'll see that nobody goes through. Tunnel, the only way to get from Kamakakushi to Hyotan Village. Which in my head, I'm immediately like, so there's another way that we don't know about. I don't know, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're you guilty. So, um, <laughs> But the only person Ryu and Megu see come through all night is Mio, who's the young hostess. The, at the inn she comes through to kind of check on them and see how they're doing but they don't see anybody else the whole time we never got to see what snacks she had tied up in that bamboo leaf are you still thinking about those snacks yeah i want to know oh man we're gonna be real hungry real soon i'm already hungry for the truth all right i'm getting i'm getting tired can someone tell me how this next murder goes down <laughs> with the muscle relaxant or whatever what do they call they call it sleepy juice Sleepy juice. Yes, sleepy they call juice. it sleepy juice. That's exactly what Tra- they said. Sedatives. Sedatives. Yes. yes. That's what I said. So basically, while while <laughs> Q and Kazuma and Kinta are talking off screen, uh, there's sort of a lurking and there's a knife. And yes, yeah, so the producer is stabbed uh, to death in, in his room and everyone discovers it. And the window back. breaks and that's the sound that brings everybody back. Yep. Um, but he doesn't disappear. He's just he's just there. The other thing I'll note is they were on the phone. Q, Cosma, and Kinta were on the phone with Mio in the other village. Mm-hmm. They talk about a bunch of things. They talk about how the cameraman who was in the village used to live in the, the other village, and they talk they talk about all these other things mm-hmm. as like as the murder is happening. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm trying to figure out who it could be. I wrote down five people. Mm-hmm. Ross, who was suspicious to you at this point? I mean, I just kind of thought like, okay, this high priest is. Like a weirdo. I think I think at this point I still thought it was that old man that they had met in the first episode that was like, I've lived here forever. Yeah. Stop playing with masks. The innkeeper is pretty suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We're getting there. Episode 20. It comes to light. The masked high priest crimes and lies. I want to start with this scene with Cosmo, Kinta, and Q. Uh, Ross, you made it a, a reference to this earlier, but like each of them 
is doing their own kind of silly thing. I noticed Cosmo is on his laptop, which is a digibook. Mm-hmm. Q is like picking at the white speck. Yeah, in his that hair. little white thing on his hair that you barely notice, but they were like, "You're going to notice it now." He's going to play with it. And it's not just that Kinta starts doing sit-ups because he's frustrated. He also spills everything all over the table. Yeah, like that green tea goes flying. They're all being really childish and embarrassing when the police inspector walks in to ask for their help. Well, they've now dug up the graveyard. They've found seven of these, all the bodies of the people that disappeared over the past decade, Mm -hmm. including the college student. But the college student was killed in Kamakakushi and buried in Hyotan, which means somehow his body was like taken through the tunnel and nobody noticed, Mm -hmm. even though they're so closely watching that tunnel entrance. Pretty weird. And then Q does a really flimsy deduction to tell us that there were sedatives in the producer who was killed last night with a knife's drinks. The other thing is they don't think the perpetrator actually went through the broken window and the murderer could still be inside the house. Ooh. Oh, we're going to put a pin in a a scream reference for later. I'm down. They now spy on the, like, investigator interrogating all of the suspects. Not too much important in here. The innkeeper tells us the door is left open, gives open access to the bats. He was also, at the time of the murder, watching Kindaichi Shonen no Jikenbo, the other show by this author. Right. The uh, the older hostess was in the kitchen preparing meals. Ryo, the son, was in his room. <clears throat> okay. Sorry, one second. I need water. And I need answers. <laughs> Who killed everyone? Ross, instead of filling the space, I could have edited it out. Well... I'm an entertainer by trade. How long do I have to uh, pause before we start just getting some stand-up? I, like, forgot all of my stand-up. I'm sure, like, once I, like, read my notes and stuff, I'll remember it. But, like, I don't know what I say anymore. Good, good, good. So, continuing on with the the suspects. Ryo was in, the son was in his room here at Glass and Russian in the hallway. The assistant director was checking her schedule in her room. The cameraman wasn't doing anything. He left Kamikakuchi Village three and a half years ago. Great. Were there some clues in there? Surely there were, because they'll bring it back up later. They will. And now they break into their groups to discuss their separate revelations. They're trying to figure out what happened with the symbol. They're trying to crack the high priest's alibi. Um, But the one thing I want to reference here is Ryu and Megu talk about Q. Yeah, they're like, well, when when he's off base, he's way off base. But when he's not, he's really good. Maybe that's his strength. I'm like, being hit or miss? <laughs> Is that his strength? He's good yeah. at sometimes doing stuff. I like the Q and Kinta scene we have, where Q kind of has his big revelation. They sit in a tree. K-I-S. Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, who knows when the scene ended what they did in that tree? Hold on. Yeah. Someone and someone sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Uh-huh. Do people sit in trees and kiss each other? I don't know where you've been, Noah, but... <laughs> We've never kissed each other in a tree. It's true. And we never will. <laughs> <laughs> I just have never thought about that rhyme before, of the idea of people kissing in a tree. I guess it's a place where you can hide, where like you won't be caught by the peeping eyes of the masked people in your village. Yep. But then you also have to remember that things escalate very quickly, because first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in the baby carriage. Like, we were just kissing in a tree just a second ago. That's where babies come from. Trees. Right. Well, rockabye baby in the treetops. How else would the baby get up into the treetops mm-hmm. if you didn't K-I-S-S-I-N-G there first? Well, you know what? I have not covered the uh, uh, Blue Sky Studios picture storks on kid flicks yet so we might have to explore this 
I wasn't aware that anyone had seen the Blue Sky Pictures film Storks. No, I have seen Boss Baby, and they have their own hypothesis for how babies are made. In a boardroom? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, how that movie got made, too. Yeah, Boss Baby is pretty baffling to me. You know what else is not baffling to me? The, uh, smallpox? War crimes? Um, so, But the, the, the important thing that happens while they're up in the tree, mm-hmm. before they start smooching or, or making babies or whatever it is that they do up there, mm-hmm. as, they, as the violin and the piano play, the sun rises. Mm. The gentle sun rises over the horizon and hits Q in the head with inspiration. And he's like, oh, got it. And when that happened, I was like, I missed something, didn't I? Because like... He just looked at the paper again. Honestly, I when that happened, I was convinced that it was going to be like something involving like glasses because I was like, oh yeah, this infinity symbol looks like glasses. I was wrong. So Q falls out of the tree. That's how he gets down. Mm-hmm. He's done K-I-S-S-I-N-G. And he calls Megu. They're, they talk to each other on these phones. And they get impossible range on this wireless phone. They're like, you got a wireless phone? Cool. Go five miles from where you are right now it'll be fine they're very good uh very good cordless phones call those phones uh uh daniel day lewis they have so much range ross one have you made that joke before no that's any other actors you would use other than daniel day lewis i nearly said christian bale oh you mean because he got like really skinny and then he like threw a tamper tantrum on the set of terminator salvation yeah but and then he became a fucking christian clump to play uh uh dick cheney oh that's true vice was fine i saw it opening day on christmas alone um and it was it was all right Mm. and how did that make you feel um i was like well i guess i understand politics now thanks adam mckay so uh q and megu are talking on the phone this is where we left off Mm -hmm. right they bring up the items, which is from the episode we didn't cover it this week, where they were looking at the college student who disappeared. He had a bunch of items in his backpack, which were on little cards. Megu, with her photographing memory, still remembers everything on the cards. Should I say them out loud? Sure, go for it. You were so excited to last time. Yeah, I, I, I like reading lists. I don't know, Ross. You've been doing your podcast for a while. Is like reading lots of lists. Uh, like entertaining well i enjoy uh like if i find i find like good fun facts sometimes so it's fun to just like read that out loud so go yeah let's hear some facts or whatever you were gonna say so these are the things in the backpack a compass a thermos a cell phone a utility knife a flashlight a rope a camera a shovel a life vest a rubber raft an air pump and a sleeping bag jinkies sorry that was just a nervous tick of mine (laughs) (laughs) um so Q declares that it was the compass that was important out of all the things on the list. Mm -hmm. And because he used his compass, he figured out the secret. And that's what got him killed. Mm -hmm. They both stand on their tunnels in their opposite village. They're staring at the tunnels. And the notable thing is that the sun is on the right side for both of them. So, yeah, they're basically they're supposed to be at opposite ends of a tunnel that runs from one village to the other. But when they both face the entrances to the tunnel, the sun is in the same direction for both of them, which actually means... Something. They're they're both facing the same direction. And I think this is something that I could demonstrate very well with hand motions. Cool. Yeah, because I can't see you either, so. So Q gives his four hints, which are the position of the sun, the college student's drawing, the body of the student being found in Hyotan Village, and the discrepancy in a statement given to the police. Then we go to commercial break. Then we come back for commercial break. Oh, can we talk about how the commercial breaks are are always really jarring? 
they are cutting to cliffhangers. They've like manufactured like 10 cliffhangers in these five episodes. Mm -hmm. It's true. I can confirm. So this is where we kind of get into the, uh, the army secret. Not only were they researching smallpox, they created Ekishin and Ekigami to cover up the tragedy and get rid of people who got too close to the secret. Mm -hmm. Q declares that the high priest is someone in the room. And the thing that gave it away was that the cameraman said he lived in Kamakakushi Village. But when they were talking to Mio on the phone, she was supposed to be in Kamakakushi Village. And she said he lived in the other village. (gasps) Why did she say that if she wasn't in the other village at the time? Yota. This is also something with lots of hand motions. There's like this village, there's that village, and they move between them. Mm-hmm. That's really not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So that's why he thinks that the high priestess is the culprit. And she's like, but you heard on the phone, you heard where I was. She lets slip that she knows that the guy was killed under the blanket, which she couldn't have known. And she starts to like freak out on them and, and reveal her true self. Yeah, she once once she slips that, like it's the classic murder mystery whodunit thing where they're just like, they're too calm. And then they're like, well, fuck, okay. I might as well just let everything spill out. Exactly. They go to the temple in Kamakakushi Village and Kinta comes with a pickaxe to take down that wall. And she gets even more intense. She's telling them the world's going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And well, she also trips on a rock. She oh, does. She, uh, she's running at them and she trips on a rock so she can't stop him. I see. Very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the episode ends. That's where our podcast ends. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. All right. Episode 21. Oh, wait. Hold on. One Wait. One thing we forgot to say uh, in this episode is actually this entire series, people keep saying the high priest had a perfect alibi. <laughs> and then uh also uh i learned at the in that episode episode 20 that their catchphrase is there is only one answer here's a little close to there's only ever one truth yeah detective conan's uh catchphrase michael do you know the japanese Shinjitsu wa itsumo there's only Whoa. one truth is the translation there is only ever one truth and we were starting the last episode mm-hmm. the last mysterious disappearance there's only one answer and when they get to the other side, it opens up into Hyotan Village through what we thought was a dam. Yeah, we get what? this very dramatic pan out for where like we're close up on Toya's face and then it pans out and it looked a little weird because his face and everything else was drawn at a different resolution. So it was very jarring for me. But anyway, R- Russ, I think you were in the middle of gasping. <gasps> resolution. I-, I mean, that's what I'm hoping to get from this storyline. So the other side of the wall is actually the dam, which isn't a dam. There's just like a stream that comes through it to make it look like a dam. It's just a wall with some water. Like this entire trick could be torn apart by, say, an Amazon drone flying overhead. Yeah. And being like, hey, these villages are directly next to each other and blocked off by a thin wall. Good thing this was 2003. Yeah. Um, it turns out that Back before airplanes, what we th- what we thought was two villages was actually one village shaped like a gourd. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh my gourd. Being kind of a peanut-shaped gourd. And this makes it really quick to get between the other villages. You don't have to go through the tunnel. It only takes one to two minutes. And they figured this out because of looking at the sun. The spiral staircase in the middle of the tunnel makes it so you don't realize that you're actually just walking back the way you came. Yeah, and for those of us who spend a lot of times walking through damp tunnels, like you really do lose your sense of direction because you just assume, like, yeah, surely I'm going the one way. I love tunnels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really thought 
like halfway through the series, like while I was trying to figure out what the trick was, like it's going to be something where like there are two tunnels, like yeah, you said that shape, and maybe like there's a part that goes through the column in the middle of the, like I was getting really elaborate, but it turns out it's a very simple trick. And I like that not only, so Mio, um, I like that not only did she murder the producer by stabbing him in the back, but she was like on the phone with Q Kent and Cosmo while she did it, mm-hmm. using the incredible range on the cordless phone to right. go from the inn in one village to the inn in the another village, commit the murder and back. Mm-hmm. And to pull my pin out of my scream reference, <gasps> the call came from inside the house. <laughs> Yeah, and it was really weird because they were making Jiffy Pop at the same time. So, like, it really came full circle. Um, and so the reason she said the neighboring village to refer to Kamakakushi is because she was standing in Hyotan while she was on the phone with them. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. So Ryu decides to reveal the actual historical truth. Basically, that, you know, the original Kamakakushi village, the weaponized smallpox that the military was developing, got out. There was an infection. And yeah. so the residents of Hyotan Village decided to put up this elaborate thing where they sealed off the tunnel to Kamikakushi Village uh-huh. in order to seal off the the infection and like literally like abandon all these people to their deaths. And to hide it, they decided to turn their one gourd-shaped village into two circular villages and pretend it was two villages all along. And they literally developed this religion with the masks so that the people at the time could pretend to be the residents of two separate villages. Right. Because they would sneak from Hyotan village to the other village and put the masks on and pretend to be different people living in the other village. Which sounds implausible, but <laughs> maybe is the kind of thing you could get with get away with in post-World War II Japan. It's also very misty. I mean, that's also basically how Scientology started. L. Ron Hubbard was like, I'm in debt. I guess I'll start a religion. Uh, Thetans. And then it was all history yeah. from there. And part of what happens in these next few scenes, which get very dramatic very fast is Q kind of goes in on they were trying to cover up this secret to kind of hide their shame at what they'd done by sentencing all these people to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mio is not done yet. No. She pulls out a vial, which she says has the virus in it. And it's 100% probability it'll kill you if it gets sick. She can't afford to let anyone go to the village because the virus is still living there. This is what she's been told. So she has to kill herself with the virus so that people know how dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. Kinta and Q follow her into the temple, but Ryu stops everyone else because he's like, no, 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 we, we don't want to die from the virus. And now we have what I'm calling the most dramatic scene in, in the history of Detective Academy Q so far. It's pretty dramatic. If anybody is an improviser and has played the game Oscar winning moment, both characters in this scene get an Oscar winning moment. Mm-hmm. It's where you're doing a scene and then someone says do an Oscar winning moment and you break into a very dramatic monologue. Mm-hmm. I feel like very dramatic monologue undersells what happens. <laughs> I mean, Miu lays into her entire childhood of basically heavy psychological abuse. Her life sucked. It was pretty bad. She, her parents died. She was taken in by this old man. He, he died not too long ago. He was the last living person to know the secret of the village, the previous high priest of the village. Mm-hmm. One day, she saw him carrying a dead body. And as if that wasn't enough, from that point on, he keeps the vial of virus in the fridge and he pulls that out every day to show it to her and tell her uh, tell her how terrible things are. Like, I, I, th- I definitely feel bad for her. Yeah. But then she murdered the college student and a bunch of other people. Yeah. Here's a quote I pulled out from her speech. Mm-hmm. Little sacrifices are necessary to prevent large sacrifices. Mm-hmm. What a theme this is. <laughs> 
I think I'll leave that for everybody to reflect on. Mm. Have some real serious mm. moments. Yeah. And now let's interrupt it as Kinda comes smashing through the window. Right. Well, Q gives his dramatic comeback, oh, which yeah, is yeah. even more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's just like, war is terrible. Who would do that? Adults only care about himself. It was selfish to cover this up. Right. Like, literally, like, you're not protecting the world. That is a lie. Yeah. You're doing it. They did it to, to hide how selfish they were. And I maybe could have let you skip over that. I think it's just like, like Ross said, like, we cannot communicate how dramatic this was. <laughs> yes. I just can't communicate it. Then, then she's about to smash the vial and logically kill them both. When Quinta uh, has this very fun moment, he uh, martial arts his way through the window. Uh, he performs his Toyamaru Onmitsujutsu, which is uh, a secret technique. Uh, the Let's le- sleep for a little while, version one. Yeah, he, and he says Bajan one in, in some very awkward English. And I'm like, so we're going to see this again. And he's going to have <laughs> version two and version three. <laughs> I'll wait for the dance remix. Yeah, this will be a TikTok craze if TikTok survives. So they carry her unconscious out of the tunnel to reunite with everybody. Mm-hmm. So this is when we learn the truth about the hostess, the other hostess. Yep, it was fucking Cactus Sensei all along again. Ross, did did that make sense to you when that happened? No. <laughs> First of all, I didn't know about these post credit scenes until like the third episode because Noah texted me like, oh, by the way, you can <laughs> skip the theme song, but... There are post-credit scenes, and uh, yeah, he's just like, did you catch me this week? And he's like, I wasn't that cactus. I was a painting of a cactus. <laughs> and then a bunch of disembodied voices go, no, impossible. And then he falls over. Yeah, in the post-credit scenes for these the first four episodes out of these five, they're on the Nami showing us like a cactus in a scene, and then he was hiding as the cactus. It's it's so silly. Mike actually saw spotted some of the cactuses. You also sort of warned me. Yeah, I told I told Mike to look for cactuses because yes. I, I also got first. faked out by the fake cactus. Yeah, which I got frustrated about. So Ross, <laughs> in the past, Nanami has disguised himself as another cactus, very famously his first appearance. He's also disguised himself as a butler. He's disguised himself as a mall panda. He's disguised himself as a sign. That's scamp. Oh, and as Don Morihiko. Oh, yeah. And in uh, <laughs> the previous episode, right before these, he disguised himself as the headmaster of the school. Yes. So, so to give you the missing context, Ross, he's like the disguised teacher slash mm-hmm. the guy who's yeah. supposed to keep a watch on them sure. while they're doing dangerous mm-hmm. things. Yep. <laughs> the least absent character from these five episodes who did almost nothing turned out was not a relevant character the whole time. Mm-hmm. It was just Nanami in disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, he also says something that I, I don't understand at all. I wrote it down. I see, I see fish paste cake roll. Yeah, I didn't get that. Well, it sounds either. like he sees a fish cake paste roll. I assumed there was some kind of Japanese reference there or yeah. wordplay that I don't get. Something that the subtitler was like, I give up. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. There are some points in this where the the subtitler doesn't know what's happening or like they, they're just like, I'm not going to spell check this. <laughs> well, these are, yeah, the ones we've been watching have been done by fans. Not fans of spell check. So we're we're then told that after this, Mio-san slept peacefully for two days. Yeah, the, that classic anime trope of when you get hit by somebody, you just sleep for two days. And they are now so sympathetic to this murderer who has killed, I think, four people. Mm-hmm. They take her to the uh, unearthed actual Kamakakushi village. And the village is like full of butterflies and flowers. It's so pretty. The field was plowed until recently. So some people survived the disease and lived into old age, but died in kind of... um. A passengers kind of way almost 
Yeah, like if anybody has seen that film, they play this up like this very like peaceful, like, see, it wasn't that bad after all. Humanity will find a way. But it's like there definitely was one person left at some point in this sealed off village's history who died alone. And realistically, they probably ate each other sometimes. What makes what leads you to that conclusion? What did they, they they were in a sealed village for like where did they get enough food? Maybe they lived kind of like the characters in M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Ooh. Wow. I don't know what they ate. Was it each other? Um, mainly corn and millet, I think. Mm-hmm. They ate the expectations of the audience. Okay. I mean, and uh Bryce Dallas Howard ate the scenery. Ugh. Oh yeah. Uh, she was she was in the dramatic moment in this episode too. Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Oh yeah. She was she was the vial of smallpox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which also uh, we got sort of mentioned there was no virus in the vial because like yeah as per science a virus couldn't exist in a vial and stay alive. It was a great it was a great bit. you need to you need to put it in an asteroid or like bury it deep in antarctica for the virus to be able to survive or put it in a culture where it has something to eat no viruses don't need to eat things they're not living things oh tell that to my mother-in-law and her email was (laughs) mother.in.law at hotmail (laughs) and then the the thing i want to bring up at this point we're pretty much wrapping up which is wonderful record time maybe not who knows um the end credit music is so pleasant uh, that we've been having recently. This kind of summer boppy song. Yeah, I liked it. it it's like whiplash mm-hmm. when they have some of these dramatic cliffhangers and then this comes in. And they're like, la la, beach time, aren't we sexy? <laughs> but unlike whiplash, I couldn't tell if they were rushing or dragging. J.K. Simmons. Yep, you know the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep up with any of this. None of these are anime references. Michael, that's your job. <laughs> that's why you're here. Okay. At the end of the fifth scene, it's not like their classic post-credit scene. They don't even do a next on. They just have Don being like, you did a good job. You can now get more serious cases. Oh, yeah. And they were like, it's so exciting to solve mysteries. And we will keep doing it. So, okay, we've covered anything, everything. Anything I missed, like funny bits, big, big whatso moments. Uh, just like a little thing that I don't like in these types of de- uh, like mystery of the week shows like when the entire team takes turns uh explaining everything like just let q q clearly figured it all out just let him say it all i don't need them to be like and i figured out this and it's like okay cool reminds me of some other people we don't know what you're talking about Noah, because <laughs> you made it forbidden uh-huh. and you keep bringing it up it's my new religion um we don't we well we wear masks when we go outside until it's safe to do otherwise that's the first component okay and the second component is uh we don't talk about scooby-doo okay wait wear masks outside is that what you call dating (laughs) go on (laughs) no i'm not gonna everybody figured it out and is applauding their iphone right now or android there's no way this is gonna stay in the episode (laughs) (laughs) well by the time i get to this point in editing it i'm just gonna be so tired okay so you watched all of this. We are so thankful that you joined us. Yeah, thank you for having me. You kind of said at the beginning, it sounded like you you overall enjoyed it. I'm also curious, like, what it what it is reminiscent of you? What what does it remind you of? That sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm legally barred from telling you what it reminds me of. Um, but, <laughs> like, I think, uh, 
you know, this this was a bit of a struggle for me just because I don't um I I'm I'm not really a regular anime watcher like yeah. I said before and um the pace of this show I think like by the end of it I was like okay I understand what happened and that was interesting and a good story but just like uh sitting through every episode I was like I feel like this is going slow and uh it could be told quicker like I think if this was a standalone movie I might have enjoyed it more but because it was yeah. a, t- uh, a show there had to be all these uh cliffhangers and things built in for commercial breaks and ends of episodes but um, I mean, altogether, I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't really know what it reminds me of, but yeah. The other thing, Ross, I asked you this at the beginning, but what's your final approval? Is this a movie? Is it for kids? <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll say tentatively it's for kids. I would say maybe the, uh, uh like a 12 and older demographic. Yeah. Uh, so like maybe if, if you're a kid that's like sick of watching Zach and Cody, maybe <laughs> this is for you. Uh, and just recently, you had us on your podcast. Yes, which was super fun. We were we talked about uh, the, the 1993 Batman animated series spinoff movie, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. And uh, there were mysteries in that as well. And pro- like probably if uh, I would put the those two properties, so what we watched today and what we watched for my podcast, like I think a lot there's a lot of overlap there. Like I was surprised at how dark and brooding uh, the animated Batman was. Right. I was watching it and I was like, this is for kids. <laughs> I watched it as a kid. It happened. So it's legal. There's definitely a connection there. People should totally check that out and check your podcast out. Oh, shucks. Thank you. I did a real awkward way of coming to this, but I always ask for plugs. So we've we've talked about your podcast a bit, but formally, what you got to plug? What do you, what do you want people to know about? Yeah, so uh, my uh, podcast, Kid Flicks, uh, it's uh, comedian friends like you two uh, and myself, we review kids' movies. So uh, the one that we did with you guys is out currently, the uh, Batman movie. We also uh, recently have reviewed Paranorman. Uh, and yeah, like uh, it's it's fun because you get to hear what uh, people were excited to watch when they were kids and also like how these different things hold up. Spoiler, not always. <laughs> Nostalgia is fun and it's wild when you realize how much it clouded your judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, your podcast, Not For Kids. No, don't. I curse a lot on there. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, I've got some announcements for our podcast. Ooh. The first is, as always, you can send us email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you solved a mystery. Maybe there's something we should watch. Maybe you have thoughts and as ever, if you have erotic fan art uh, about Kinta and uh, Q and what they did in that tree, send that along as well. Michael is really desperate for some erotic fan art. Please email <laughs> it in. It's like nonstop whining. Where is my erotic fan Where's art? Where is my erotic fan art? He makes me check that email address all the time. I'm... <laughs> Can you hit refresh? You know what? If somebody if somebody wants to draw some erotica of me, I'm open to it. So send it to them and then they can forward it to me. You are yes, definitely do that. The other thing we're announcing is our spin-off, which is happening what? in two weeks. Yeah, it's like it's not a good idea. We've barely been a podcast, but I was super excited. It's a called Dying Message Challenge. It's a competitive book club. I'm having Michael and two other uh, contestants read the first part of this Japanese mystery novel, and then they have to try to guess who the murderer is. Then we will see if they were right. 
The book we're reading is Murder in the Crooked House by Soji Shimada. So if you want to email us your guesses or play along, you can do that. You won't have to read the book to listen to the podcast. Wait, no, you're telling me I have to read a book and guess things? I'm excited. Wow, Ross, uh, just like the episodes we watched, we talked for a long time. That's true. This episode will probably time out almost exactly the length of that five episode series. So start them at the same time and let us know if anything syncs up. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Someday we'll see you in person, but you know, until then make sure you're wearing a mask or we will have to, we will have to spirit you away. Yep. Our next episode, we're going to be covering detective Academy Q episode 22 dinner of the dead. It's a one episode, nice, short and sweet murder a chef is murdered uh, while eating a three-course meal or something like that oh my god i haven't seen it yet uh it's also the first episode to feature the new opening song very exciting come back and join us for that wow imagine what it would be like to only review one episode weird (laughs) (laughs) so these are ways you can support the podcast like us on facebook follow us on twitter at dying message pod subscribe or review wherever you found this podcast that rating that review that you leave super helpful and just keep listening. We're doing uh, this spinoff soon. That's going to be wild. And we'll cover other anime other than Detective Academy Q before too long. So stay along for the ride. We'll keep deducing if you keep rejoicing. That didn't rhyme. No, it didn't. It sounded <laughs> like it could rhyme. There's one more thing we have to do before we go. Uh, Ross, you need to tell us, how did what, what is this mystery of how gift cards work? How did you solve that? Yeah, so um, I think I've told the story on my podcast before, but I haven't told it on yours. So um, when I was uh, a kid, um, I saw my mom buy a gift card at Spencer Gifts, you know, as as one does. And um, she gives her, uh, she, uh, my mom gives the clerk like one of the blank gift cards and the woman, uh, the clerk asks like, okay, how much do you want to put on this? And my mom said $20. But my kid brain interpreted that as the lady asking, how much do you want to pay for this? And my mom said $20. So I thought for years, for too long, that you could pay for any gift card in any amount and you would just pay what you wanted to. So I went to a Barnes & Noble and I grabbed a $100 gift card and I gave it to the guy thinking that like, okay, I'll pay like 25 or 20 bucks for this. And the guy said, that'll be $100. And it just clicked all at once, and I sheepishly walked away. <laughs> Your mom took you to a Spencer's gift? Yeah, because it was a, a, a guy in our neighborhood named Spencer. It was his birthday, so we thought, that's funny. I knew people named Spencer while I was growing up. Oh, my God. But I didn't take them to Spencer's gifts. Ross, your entire sense of humor is suddenly coalesced. Like, I understand the origins all of a sudden. <laughs> Yeah, because all of my stand-up is just about, uh, like, dildos that have the marijuana leaf on it. <laughs> you, you know, like, there's always the controversies of various comedians being called out for stealing jokes. And your controversy is that all of your jokes are on the novelty t-shirts and novelty magnets at Spencer's Gifts. Yeah, all my jokes are just about uh, how 21 Pilots rules. <laughs> <laughs> And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode 11, in which we have a gourd time in a tree. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Ross Wiseman. Coming up, why is food in anime usually so appetizing? What is Ryu looking at when he stares silently into the distance? Who pooped in the sink? 
All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. Uh, also, just uh, just a note for you guys. I just accidentally hit my head on my microphone, so there was a weird noise like a couple seconds ago. Okay, I think I see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, c- careful. Or I mean, it's it's getting really exciting. But but please try to. <laughs> Only four more episodes to recap. <laughs> we have our sign up on the wall. Twenty one days since last incident, since last podcasting incident, <laughs> which is probably when one of us bent over and knocked our head on the table. Classic.